Welcome to the podcast for Windsor Road Baptist Church. Prepare your heart to receive God's message. We have been working our way through the book of Luke up until the time of Easter, and uh, we'll return to that now. So, quick overview of how far we've we've come in the, the first two chapters of Luke's Gospel. Basically, he's setting the context, giving a bit of history, introducing us to Jesus and John through their births, and and then chapter 3 is a distinct stage of preparation for Jesus' ministry. The two events is his baptism and his temptation. And then in chapter 4, it's sort of the beginning point of Luke's story of Jesus' ministry. Jesus actually starts in ministry. It starts at the, the synagogue in, in Nazareth where he announces that he's arrived and begun his ministry. And then through the second part of chapter 4 and chapter 5 and a bit of chapter 6, we see him actually doing his ministry, healing people, teaching people. And then at the end of chapter 6, there's this, this big block of teaching of Jesus, sometimes called the, the Sermon on the Plain. And uh, the, the Jesus sort of really summarising his, his message in that section. And then at the start of chapter 7, uh, Jesus goes into Capernaum and something happens that really surprises him. In fact, it leaves him amazed. Now, we probably should be amazed that Jesus was amazed because we know that he created the world. Uh, Particularly in Colossians, it talks about Jesus creating all things and in all things they have their being. He he laid the earth, he, he, he laid out the stars and the mysteries and the incredible vastness and beauty of the universe. Jesus did all of those things And and so when he he came to earth, there should have been no sense of surprise. He was there when it happened. Uh, But incredibly here we have that says that Jesus was amazed by something that happened on earth. There's two times in the Gospel of Luke where it says that Jesus was amazed. Both times had to do with faith. The first time he was amazed was by the lack of faith of the people of Nazareth. You might remember that. Second time Jesus is amazed is by the faith of somebody you would not expect. And that's the story in Luke chapter 7. So turn with me in your Bibles or on your devices to Luke chapter 7 and verses 1 to 10 as we read this story of amazing faith. When Jesus had finished saying all this, all this to the people who were listening, he entered Capernaum. So there he goes, finished chapter 6, all of that teaching, and now he goes into Capernaum. There, a centurion's servant, whom his master valued highly, was sick and about to die. I'll come back to that in a minute. The centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him asking him to come and heal his servant. When they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him. This man deserves to have you do this because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. So Jesus went with them. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself. For I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I do not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word, 
and my servant will be healed. For I myself am under a man, a man under authority, with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes. And I say to this one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. And turning to the crowd, following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Then the men who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. The story starts with the centurion, centurion and his servant who is ill. Now that the word that's translated there, sick, is meant is it literally he was having it hard. He was having a hard time of it. And uh, or having a bad time of it actually. So he was having a bad time of it. And, if you go and see a doctor, there's three things you don't want to hear from your doctor. One is, oops. Uh, you don't want to hear that. And the, and the other thing you, you don't want to hear from your doctor is, oh, I've never seen one like that before. That, that can set you on edge a bit. And, and the third thing you never want to hear from your doctor is, that's bad. But that, Luke, the doctor, concludes about the centurion here, was that he was having a bad time of it. He was, he was bad. He was seriously ill. He was at the point of death. And the centurion somehow knows about Jesus and knows that Jesus potentially can heal this servant. And so he sends the Jews to go and speak to him. And Jesus, when he looks at what happens and the, the centurion's response to the Jews and to Jesus' approach... He's amazed at that faith. Why is it so amazing? Well, I think there's a few things, a few aspects of this faith that made it amazing. The first was that it was, was loving. Here's this centurion, a, a battle-hardened soldier who probably killed people and who exercised authority. He was a, he was a hard man. He was a strong man and perhaps even a, an uncaring man, or so you would think. But here he is, He's desperately concerned about one of his servants. It's not one of his family members. It's not one of his fellow soldiers. It's, it's one of his servants. And in fact, in, in chapter 7, verse 7, he uses the language. It says, you know, that this is why I do not consider myself worthy to come. It say the word, and my servant. That word servant there is actually child. Now, there's a good reason why they've translated it servant there. But, but, but be aware that it is, it, it's, he's speaking like it's a dear, affectionate term. This is my, my, my child that, that, that will be healed. And we have records that sometimes uh, Roman masters would refer to their servants as their children. But for this centurion to do it showed that he had this sort of intimate, caring relationship with this servant. So much so that he was willing to, to reach out to Jesus for him to, to be healed. And, and perhaps part of the reason that Jesus was so amazed at this, at this centurion's faithfulness was that it was concerned about somebody else, not himself. His faith was not exercised about how he would be better off, but because it extended to care for somebody as lowly as a servant. And so the first thing we, we see about this Centurion's faith was as it was loving. And, and, and our challenge perhaps is that sometimes our faith is all about us. 
and we say faithful prayers about us and our concerns and our needs, that's good. Jesus tells us to, to bring his concerns, our concerns to him. But that is just sort of normal faith. Amazing faith involves us being faithful for other people, for those we love and, and caring for them through our faithfulness. So that's the, the, perhaps the first amazing aspect of, of this prayer, of this faith, the centurion, was that it's, it's loving nature. The second aspect was, though, was its, its boldness. There were lots of barriers between this centurion and Jesus. The first he was, he was a Gentile. He was a, he was a Roman, probably, and Jesus a Jew. And in those days, Jews and Romans, and in fact, most ethnic groups, didn't have much to do with each other. And so that was the first barrier he had to overcome. Here I am, a Gentile, asking a Jew to, to come and, and help me. Second thing, of course, was that he was a centurion. He was part of the oppressing army that was making miserable, liking life miserable for the Jews. And so of all of the Gentiles, the Romans were especially hated. The third barrier he had to come across was the whole social thing. We, we read that the centurion paid for the construction of a synagogue. Not all centurions were that wealthy, but this one certainly was. And so there is this normal wealth, and because of that, this social barrier between this Roman centurion and a homeless uh, travelling rabbi from, from Nazareth. And it was a huge step for the centurion to step across these barriers and to reach out to Jesus. But he was bold in doing so. He wasn't held back by the conventions. He stepped across the barriers and was bold. And perhaps a better word for it is an old English word called importune or importunity, which means persistence, especially to the point of annoyance. It was sort of inappropriate faith. It wasn't the right sort of thing to do. It wasn't the accepted thing. It wasn't the polite thing to do. And it's sort of the faith that Jesus highlights again in his parable of the widow and the unjust judge in Luke chapter 18, if you know that one, where, where the, the, the woman, the widow, keeps coming to the judge and annoying him until he gives her a just ruling in her case. It's that sort of faith. It's, it's on the edge. It's impolite. It's, it's almost inappropriate. There's a guy called John Knox, one of the great reformers, and he declared, God, give me Scotland or I will die. That's a bit importune, isn't it? It's a bit inappropriate, it's over the edge, but God actually did it. John Knox had a huge influence on, on the nation of Scotland. And that's the thing about this importune faith, this bold faith. It's not polite. It's not, with, it's not, it's not appropriate. But it changes the world because it is so bold and reaches beyond what is normal and expected. Third thing I think about this faith is it's, it was humble faith. It was humble faith. We live in a, a world in Australia at the moment where there's a great sense of entitlement, where, where we think we deserve things, particularly during political campaigns. You'll, you'll hear the politicians say, Australians deserve better, or Australians deserve to get this. And they're just tapping into the sense we have of, 
of entitlement, as though that everything we get is either because we, we've been born in a certain place or time, or we've earned it. We've earned it through hard work. We've worked hard, and so we deserve to have these things. And we reach the situation where, where young people graduate high school and think they deserve a new car. Uh, where, where people who work a, a normal 40-hour week during the year believe that they deserve an international holiday every year. That, that you, you work for, through your lifetime and somehow you deserve to have a, a richer and prosperous retirement reaching well into your 90s. This is the, the sense of entitlement we have. If you want to get in a fight with somebody, say, you don't deserve that. That will get a response from, from people. We live in this life of expectation and, and deserving. And the, the Jews come to Jesus. Like, this is one of the really interesting things in this story. The, the Jewish elders, they come to Jesus and they say, um, they plead earnestly, this man deserves you to do this because he loves our nation and he built our synagogue. Jesus, he paid for our synagogue. You've got to look after him. If you do the right thing by me, he might build us a better synagogue and give us more money. But he deserves it. He's earned this somehow. And you've got to heal his servant because he's a good guy. The centurion has a much, much better understanding of his status before God. In verse 6, he says, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I do not even consider myself worthy to come to you. It's ironic, isn't it? The centurion had a better understanding of his status before God than the Jewish elders did. He recognised he didn't deserve anything. And sometimes as Christians, or or sometimes just in any of us, in our relationship with God, we can think somehow that we deserve something from him, that we are worthy of him. Lord Lord Jesus, you, you should grant me what I've asked because I go to church every Sunday. I read my Bible every morning. I do good things. So you, you deserve, I'm worthy of this somehow. I mean, we might not say it that way, but that's what's going on in our hearts. And we think when Jesus doesn't answer our prayers, we feel a bit put out. We feel a bit as though there's some sort of injustice going on. And, we, and sort of, God, you, I, I deserved that, didn't I? But the fact is, we deserve nothing. We deserve nothing from God. We deserve nothing from Jesus. Anything good that we receive from his hand springs not from our worthiness, but from his mercy. It's just from his mercy, just from his grace towards us. And so when we we come to him in prayer, when we we come on behalf of other people and, and, and seek something from him, we must always come from that position of absolute humility. I don't deserve anything from you, Jesus. I'm not worthy even to gather up the crumbs under your table. But please, this is my request that I bring to you. It was amazing faith because it was loving. It was amazing faith because it was bold, but it was also so humble in its, in its expression. 
And finally, it was quality faith. We all have faith in something. Now, you hear people say, I don't have faith. That's nonsense. Everybody has faith in something. Example, you have faith in your pew at the moment. Or a chair if you're sitting on a chair. You have faith that it's not going to collapse underneath you. Okay, and you live your life based on that assumption. That's faith. When you drive home after church today, when the traffic light turns green and you proceed through that intersection, you will also be living in faith. You'll be living in faith that somebody else is not going through the red light. Okay, so so we, we all live in faith. We all have faith all the time. The question is, is it quality faith or is it not quality faith? And this centurion had quality faith that Jesus was amazed by. And it was, that quality was determined by, by two things. One was what he was having faith in. And the answer was he was having faith in Jesus himself. And that is quality faith. That is something worth having faith in. And there was two things about Jesus that he comprehended that caused him to have this faith in him. And the first was he had an understanding that Jesus would be compassionate. He had an understanding that if I ask Jesus to do this for my servant, Jesus will actually be moved in his heart to do it for my servant. And that was certainly the case. And we see that throughout Jesus' life. He has compassion for people. But there was something else he comprehended as well. He comprehended that Jesus had power. Jesus actually had the power to do something about his, his servant. And, and he says, just say the word and he will be healed. And then verse 8, for I'm a man placed under authority, having soldiers under me, and I say to one, go, and he goes and he comes, comes and to my servant do it thus, and he does it. And he understood that Jesus didn't have to come to the room. Jesus didn't have to lay his hands on his servant. Jesus didn't have to make some sort of magic um, statement over them, say some, cast some spell. Jesus just had to say the word from some distance away, and it would happen. That's quality of faith to trust in somebody who has a heart to help and who has the power to help as well. And perhaps it's good just to stop for a moment here and to think about what things or who are we putting our faith in? There's all sorts of things you can put your faith in. Uh, you like to put your faith in your superannuation. You put faith in your abilities. You put faith in the, the healthcare system. And, and those things are, are generally reliable, but potentially they can all fail. There's only one thing that will never let us down. There's only one thing we can put our faith in absolutely, and that's Jesus. He will always be compassionate. That's his very nature. He is love. And he will always be powerful. And so quality faith depends not on the, the quality of the believer, 
The quality of faith depends on what you trust in and what you have faith in. And there is no one or nothing better to put our faith in than Jesus. So that was the first marker of quality of faith, who you have your faith in. But the second quality of the faith was, that it was, was difficult faith. Some things are easy to believe in. Your pew, for example. It's easy to believe that your pew is going to, to carry your weight and that it's not going to collapse underneath you. But the sort of faith the centurion had was difficult faith. It was faith in something that was not likely to happen. It was not likely that Jesus was just going to ignore the barriers between him and, and the centurion. It was not likely that Jesus would just say the word and the centurion would be healed. It's difficult to have that sort of faith. But that's the faith that Jesus says is quality faith. And when he saw it in the centurion, he was amazed at the fact that he had faith in him and that he had faith in the difficult things as well. So that's the sort of faith that amazes Jesus. You can amaze Jesus right now. If you express faith, if you have faith not for yourself, but for somebody else, that will amaze Jesus. If you have bold faith, if, if, you, if you've got that, that, if you're in that area where it seems that something's impossible and you have faith, that will amaze Jesus. If you have humble faith, if you come with that attitude of not expecting anything, not feeling you deserve anything, but just that you're asking out of the grace of God, that will amaze Jesus. If you can come with quality faith, a faith that trusts in Jesus alone, and a faith in the face of difficult challenges, you will delight and amaze your Saviour. This uh, story of the centurion, I think Luke puts it, puts it here because it forms the perfect connection between the Sermon on the Plain of, of chapter 6 and what's going to happen in the rest of, the, of his story. You see, it's the, the perfect example. So, so the, the theory of how to live as a disciple, how to live a faithful, as a faithful disciple is in chapter 6. And then here at the start of chapter 7, is the perfect example. This is what life in the kingdom is meant to look like. It's meant to look like that amazing faith that the centurion has. And so as you head out of here today, have amazing faith. Don't settle for mediocre faith. Have amazing faith. In whatever area of your life where there are difficult things, it could be there's some relationships that, that are difficult for you. Or you know of somebody who has going through difficult relational issues. Have amazing faith. It could be you, you've got financial struggles, either in your own life or in, in, in the life of somebody you know and love. Have amazing faith. Pray in the base and live with amazing faith. It could be you've got health issues. Either someone you know or, or you personally, and it's, it's a difficult place. 
have amazing faith. Last week, Josh shared with us a story of amazing faith, that uh, there was a group of people who were praying for his alcoholic father for years on end. And, and they prayed that somehow God would... just out of, not, They weren't praying for themselves. They were, were praying out of love for somebody else and they were praying that God would do something difficult. That this man who had been an alcoholic for all of those years, that, that God would miraculously release him from that. And that amazing faith got the attention of Jesus. And we can't assume that he will always answer our prayers. The fact is, while he was on earth, people got sick and people died. And, and this is where the humility part of the faith comes in. We, we come in with no leverage. We come in with no expectation that, that God must do what we ask, that he must heal that person or he must solve that financial situation. We deserve nothing. But we still come in with expectant faith, quality faith. And I know I can look back through my life and I can see places where Jesus has responded. The person sitting next to you can probably tell you stories of where amazing faith has brought about amazing things. And in fact, you can probably remember times in your life where God has responded to your amazing faith. So have Amazing faith. Let's pray. Lord, as we sit here this morning, some people have big challenges or they know of people in their lives who have big challenges. Lord, help us to follow the example of the centurion, not the, the Jewish leaders. Help us to respond with, with humility not expecting or deserving of anything from you. But Lord, help us also to be bold, to look across the barriers, to have, to have difficult faith. And Lord, we pray that we'll be so aware and, and so full of our understanding of your love and of your power, that we'll be confident, that we'll be importune in seeking for you to do miraculous things in our world. And Lord, we pray that we can bring a smile to your face, that we can amaze you with our faith. In Jesus we ask. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope that you have been blessed by the message. At Windsor Road Baptist Church, we believe that God is calling us to be a Christ-centered, healing, serving, international community, maintaining unity, valuing diversity and growing in maturity in Christ. Please visit us at windsorroad.org.au to connect with us and to learn more about our church. God bless you.